Welcome to Tech Bytes Podcast Edition, where we talk about all things game-related in education, including current trends towards esports. Today, we are uh, blessed with a awesome guest who is perhaps one of the OGs when it comes to using games in education, Lucas Gillespie from Surrey County. Welcome, Lucas. Hey. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I'll try not to, to fanboy out too much on you here because um, oh, I don't fine. know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you don't mind, for, for our guests that may not uh, know who you are, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what you're currently doing in Surrey County? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I am Lucas Gillespie. I'm the Director of Digital Learning and Media. Uh, and also the director of Surrey Virtual Academy for Surrey County Schools in Northwestern North Carolina. Uh, we are a, a small uh, rural school district uh, of about, uh, we have 20 schools, about 7,000 students. And um, my primary role there is, is helping the district with technology planning, uh, technology integration, doing a lot of professional development, um, and then just supporting um, our teachers as they find uh, great innovative ways in, in, to integrate digital tools in the classroom and to engage students. Um, and this is my 22nd year in education, I believe that's right, uh, somewhere in there. And, um, and, and from the beginning, I have always found um, games to be a great way of connecting with students. And so I was very fortunate to um, be able to do some work um, professionally uh, in that arena, and specifically with uh, with you, uh, Mr. Lawson, uh, we did some. I uh, got to do some awesome work uh, with World of Warcraft in the classroom, uh, but I also have worked with uh, Minecraft in the classroom, uh, esports, tabletop gaming, you name it. Um, if it's game related, uh, it's probably good for education too. So I'm always looking for ways to connect those things. Great. Yeah. And, and again, if you, if you don't mind for some of our audience and maybe educators, but maybe they're new to games, could you talk a little bit about, um, you know, specifically, you know, World of Warcraft and Minecraft, since you mentioned those and kind of how you got your start uh, with those video games in the classroom? Sure. So, um, you know, my, my classroom was always the safe place. I taught high school biology before moving to uh, district level work. And uh, my classroom was always the, the uh, safe place for the geeks to hang out, talk about games uh, and all the, the latest games and console, computer, whatever it is they're playing. And so um, played a lot of games informally uh, with my students. We, we had a um, World of Warcraft guild, the Harbingers of Light, still going strong today. Uh, and that's exciting. And, and a lot of those former students are still a part of that guild, which is really cool and even helping to lead it. Um, but it was always fascinating to me to think about what, what it would look like to, to take a more formal approach to the use of games like World of Warcraft in uh, learning spaces. So um, I, I pitched the idea, um, kind of wrote down a list of things that uh, areas where a game like World of Warcraft connects to all different curricular areas and just kind of brainstormed a big list of things and pitched the idea to um, my boss at the time and um, got the green light to move forward with that. And so, uh, Craig, you, you and I, you know, we, uh, and this was this was just good times and it was awesome to get paid for it, too. Uh, we um, we started an after school program for at risk students uh, and used World of Warcraft as a vehicle to explore 
uh, leadership, teamwork, social, emotional skills, um, literacy, um, all sorts of things. And it became a great vehicle and was a lot of fun. Um, and then we took and uh, we, we received a, a generous grant to further develop that program, wrote a full year-long curriculum um, based in English language arts, which is still available online and uh, for free. Anybody can use it. And, um, and then just continue to develop the program from there. And a lot of fun. Um, and so around the time we'd been into that a few years, um, this quirky little block-based game called Minecraft came on the scene. Um, and it didn't take long for me to realize that, oh, this is our next step um, because Minecraft is just endless possibility for uh, education and the ways it can be used in education. Of course, fast forward today and we know that uh, we went from Minecraft to Minecraft EDU and the awesome work of Joel Levin and, and those guys. Um, and then Microsoft acquired Minecraft and also Minecraft uh, EDU and now we have Minecraft Education Edition. And um, that network of educators using Minecraft as a game um, is just growing uh, daily. And, and so, um, yeah. yeah, so it's just awesome. Lots of different ways that these games can be integrated in learning places. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on the dates of this, but, but I think it was it around 2014. Is that, that when we started using WoW in school at Cape Fear Middle? Uh, 2009. 2009. Gosh, yeah. I'm feeling old, oh, right? OG for real, and yes, yeah. I'm old, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and you re you bring up an interesting point. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just yeah. It was '09 um, because it was, I, I think, and and I think that's right. I have to go back and look at the wiki. I I do that sometimes. I get my dates right, but I think it was '09, and I think uh, we started Minecraft uh, sometime around 2009, 2011, somewhere in that range. And, and you kind of bring up an interesting point, you know, when I think about these two games and kind of how they've been used um, over the years, you know, when, you know, I think that, I think when we started with WoW, you know, um, we were starting with what we were familiar with, you know, a game that both of us were already playing that uh, the game, again, never really designed for education, uh, very much a, I guess what you would call a theme park where it was really very scripted as far as what, what folks were expected to do in the game. And we found ways to tie it to the curriculum, right? Um, uh, and it wasn't that hard, right, to to do that. But then you take something like Minecraft, which is which is much more of a sandbox game, I guess they would call it, where there really is no there's no plan um, objective necessarily. I mean, there is kind of loosely, and there's not necessarily any one pathway to get there, and. To me, that's just it's just so much easier to even connect that to to what you're doing in the classroom and the curriculum. So how do you see that, you know, and maybe the future of 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 games and what type of games maybe fit best with education? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, you know, we, we've always well, let me. Yeah, let me go ahead and start. So we've always had um, and I say this in air quotes, um, educational games. But but a lot of times, I mean, some of those were good, but a lot of times those are just kind of skill and drill, uh, math blasters, reader rabbit, you know, those kinds of games have been around um, since the 80s. Oregon Trail. How many Oregon people, Trail. how many people died of dysentery, right? That's right, you got dysentery, right? like, what is dysentery? Hey, look, expanding my vocabulary. Um, but, um, you know, you, you fast forward to, to the time, the work we were doing with World of Warcraft, and, and it wasn't, 
the most obvious thing to people like it was us, people who played the game. And so there was a lot of rationalization and, and a lot of discussion about um, the why and the justification, like this, this is what we're doing and this is why. Unfortunately, I had leadership um, and we both had leadership in place that, that trusted us and, and, and empowered us to do something that was arguably a little, you know, educationally risky, a uh, little out there. And, and so what I can say about Minecraft now is that Minecraft, um, Minecraft has such a low barrier to entry. Um, you know, kids love it. It's easy to pick up, but teachers can get it. And that's the easiest way to sell Minecraft to, to a, a skeptical educator is to bring them into a lab and, and demonstrate how it can be used for learning. And, and usually they're sold um, and it's not hard to convince them. And I've seen that have play out in, in both the districts that I've work in, worked in. Um, and so that along with just the, the time factor, you know, the, the games and education was not a fad. It is, it, it, it's, it's here to stay. It was here to stay back 10 years ago when we started this kind of work. Um, and so, but I, I would credit Minecraft with being sort of the, the biggest um, barrier breaking um, title that's out there. And so it sort of set the groundwork to say, hey, look, we can use popular games, games that were not necessarily designed for education and, and use them in learning context. And so once you begin to see um, games through that lens, uh, it almost becomes annoying because you, you start doing it all the time. You start looking at like, wow, I could use this game. I could teach, you know, this game could teach, you know, concept X, Y, or Z. Um, so it's, um, I think, I think the, there's so much potential still to be uncovered in the future. Uh, and I'm looking forward to see where things go with games and learning. And I don't know about you, but I feel like, um, since, you know, since the, the pandemic and kind of this move to the, the online format, um, being much more widespread in public education, I've seen kind of like a renewed interest in things that we saw when like, like second life was first a thing, right? This idea of, I've had tons and tons of teachers come out and it's like, you know, it's great that, that we can, you know, get on a Google meet with students, but can we have like this virtual space to meet and create and build? Have you, have you kind of heard that at all? Or have you seen some rumblings about, you know, how something like a second, a, a new second life might be, um, it might be that time for that product. Yeah. I, I think there's tremendous potential for that kind of thing. Um, especially with the advent of VR and stuff like that. I think we could be on the cusp of seeing something, um, like that, but I, I have not heard that specifically from my teachers. What, what I have heard, um, is, that after a, at a certain point, um, it becomes very challenging to engage students in these virtual meetings and virtual classrooms and, and online learning. And we, we've seen we've seen a little bit of a dropping off of engagement um, as this um, pandemic and remote learning has kind of extended longer than we ever anticipated. And so what what I found was, and, and I, I sponsor a game club at one of our high schools, and so um, we took the game club virtual and uh and set up a minecraft server and so we didn't get to meet face to face but we were able to meet virtually with those students and it was um i think that was really important for their social emotional well-being um it was an outlet uh, place for them to kind of unwind and relax and have fun so we would meet virtually on fridays where we normally would have met face to face and likewise we ran a um a virtual summer camp 
with Minecraft last summer, uh, completely remote, completely online, and and I was a little skeptical about how much uptake there would be, you know, how many you know people would sign up for it, um, and and it we had probably seventy plus students from across our district sign up to be a part of that virtual camp. So that was encouraging as well. So I think there's a craving for it. I think there's a, there's a need for it. Um, and, um, you know, moving forward, I think we've, we've set some precedents um, with, with what we've been forced into through the pandemic. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to explore that space. Wow. Yeah. I, and, and you, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I know is it, that does kind of mirror very similar to what some of our coaches in our district are experiencing. And they, they've said that, you know, specifically our AIG coaches, like, again, how to get kids interested in, in wanting to meet um, virtually and talk virtually. And it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of got me thinking too. It's like sometimes we, when we talk about gamification and games, and I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier in the sense that it's not just video games, right? It's not just digital, uh, but, but things like board games, um, and, and just, it, it, it kind of has me think about this idea of, of, of what is a game um, and, and what does that bring to education? And I think we've had this kind of talk before, but I mean, what do you think educators could learn from game designers? Is there something that game designers are just getting right about education that maybe more traditional educators are just not seeing or connecting the dots on? Well, that's a that's a really good question. Something I, I I do think that that there's something there to be explored. You know, whether we're talking about a tabletop game um, or or a video game or whatever, that games are systems, right? And and um, anytime we approach a system, whether it's a, a classroom and the social system and the and the rules and the procedures for a classroom, or whether we're playing a game of Monopoly or um, you know, World of Warcraft or some, or, or even Fortnite or something like that. Um, we have to learn the system. We have to learn um, how it works. And, and the beautiful thing about games is that often um, they encourage experimentation to, mm-hmm. for the player to determine where the boundaries are and how the boundaries work. Um, and that's, that's a lesson we could learn. It's also, they also tend to um, scale up. So you, you typically don't, you're not thrown into the most difficult situations, the most challenging bosses, so to speak. You don't you don't start Mario out fighting Bowser, right? Yeah. You build up to that. Yeah, you build up to that. And the game the game is designed to ramp up your skills and it rewards you um, often as you as you master skills, you're rewarded um, typically not so so much with um, what I would call just purely reward type things, but things that basically you're increasing your capacity to play the game. So you, you develop new skills, you develop new abilities, you unlock new parts of the game. And I think there is a great potential to explore um, the curriculum design from that perspective where it's not that, um, you know, you get some grade or you get some, I don't know, like you get a piece of candy because you made an A, but rather yeah. you get to explore the next element um in the class and you know that 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 requires some very intentional design um and uh and the best way to to learn that that mindset for educators is to play games and and to look at the games they're playing from that perspective like what if this game is a classroom how is it teaching me something um because all game all games teach all games teach i think um and and they teach something somehow some way 
And you you brought it. There's two words I really cling on to in in kind of that answer, you know, and that's system and 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 scaffolding. And you didn't specifically mention scaffolding, uh, you know, but but you kind of talked to it. And I guess you know my thing is is some, you know these are two things that we talk about in education all the time, but are we really doing it right? Like 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 take the system of public education, right? Like like just how we design our schedule, our day, you know, the environment the students are in, like, is that system in, in any shape or form really relevant to real life today? Right. And, and again, I start thinking like, you know, maybe part of it is that the systems in place for our students in games make more sense to them. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, our, our current education system, um, as much as I, I, I will give credit where credit's due, you know, educators um, have made great strides and, and we, we've transformed a lot of things in our education system. But some of the deep rooted fundamental structures of the system are still rooted in an era uh, in the industrial age era yeah. designed to, to create competent factory workers. And, um, and we know today that that's just not necessarily, you know, the number one skill set. That we're looking for. So, so we see trends. We see trends towards personalization, um, pathways for learning, and things like that. But we're still largely bound by by some things that are just deeply entrenched. And and I would say things like um, like the way that we group students. We group students by age. Um, and so you you start kindergarten when you're five or six, uh, and then you move up um, based on age primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the assumption there is is that well. Um, all of these students are all at the same level in all the same areas. And, mm. and that may not be true uh, where you may have, you may have a, a first grader who is, you know, way accelerated in reading, but lagging behind his peers in math and things like that. And it's very challenging to think about what it might look like to customize that system, to be more game-like Um but it's possible. And then the other thing is, is just the use of, of grades in general. Yeah. Um, you know, grades are designed to compare uh, students to their peers. And, um, and fortunately, we have some work going on um, in schools and, and there's innovative work going on in, in mastery and competency based education. Mm-hmm. But to be fully realized, that breaks the whole time paradigm, the whole grade level and, and the typical school year and all yeah. that stuff really is is a challenge if you really fully realize that um as a paradigm for education so i you know i I don't know i don't know if you have to just break the whole system down um and and start over um what that looks like i know there there's some again there's some places where that that kind of innovation's taking place but the education system at least here in the u.s and, and probably in most countries in the world is is very entrenched in the society itself. Um, you know, and this pandemic has certainly shined a light on that, that suddenly um, when, when we're forced into remote learning, parents are trying to figure out like, well, what am I going to do with my child? Well, I have to be at work because we count on uh, education to not only educate our kids, but also babysit them. Um, and so there's yeah. just a lot of things like that, 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 that could be reexamined um, and, um, and explored, I think. So, uh, and then of course, as always, I'll get my dig in here. Um, get rid of high stakes political standardized testing. Um, always, always just get rid of that because that's that's probably the number one detractor to any innovation in yeah. innovation, in my opinion. Yeah. 
And you kind of, and, and again, with Cisco, I was kind of thinking of, and it's going to kind of lead me to my next question, but, um, you know, my, my students, uh, I think, you know, I always struggle. I think one of the things teachers always struggle with, you know, uh, is classroom management. And it's a thing that's probably not talked about enough, um, because it, it does have a huge role in, in constructing the learning environment, which has a huge role on the outcomes of that environment, right? Um, and one thing I always noticed was like kids, they, they just didn't get the rules, right? Like they, they don't understand. And, and I think kind of an epiphany for me or an aha moment is when I was playing Minecraft and, you know, and I kind of introduced it. I was like, you know, I'm gonna attack this a completely different way. And I'm just going to let kids figure out that they need rules. Right. And right. so, so we got into Minecraft and I'm like, let's, you know, and, and it was kind of that, like, uh, I think you've used, used the word before ninja learning. Right. I think I've heard yeah. you, you'd use that, but it's like, it's like, okay, so let's build a town, go at it. Right. And then of course, you know, student A starts building their house in student B's backyard, right? And now, you know, they're trying to build roads and their walkways are running into each other and they're getting frustrated and upset, you know, and, and then they start to see, and you can start to really then have that conversation about, well, what could prevent this, right? How could we work together to accomplish something, right? And it's like that, oh, this is why we need to have, so I can get what I want and you can get what you want. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so suddenly zoning laws aren't so boring. Right, exactly, exactly, right? So could you share with us maybe, uh, you know, one of your, I guess, favorite favorite moments or stories um, from using games in the classroom or with students? Sure, yeah, um, and, and I'll use Minecraft as an example. So uh, when I was working in Pender County, um, I worked, I had a Minecraft server that was set up, and, and I'm going to give an example just like what we were talking about. Um, had a Minecraft server set up um, with uh, the students at the early college, primarily um, being a part of that in, in that community, and um, you know they kind of got bored with what we would call vanilla Minecraft, basic Minecraft, and so we decided to um, install a very highly modified version of Minecraft called Tekkit. And so, uh, so Tekkit really expands on Minecraft. I mean, you're, you're not just talking like axes and, and swords and, and armor and things like that. We're talking um, computers. You're building computers in, in Minecraft. You're building Wi-Fi connections, um, oh, wow. solar panels, uh, and, and then ultimately nuclear weapons. Um, <laughs> which is, it's just kind of funny. So you can imagine where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of get the students, um, set up. I said, I build my little, you know, my little cabin right in the middle of a nice little space. And I thought, Oh, this is nice. Well, you know, just got busy with work and, and really didn't, and I stayed in communication with the students, but I didn't pop into the server to, to look around or to play for, probably for two or three weeks. And so yeah. I, one day on a whim, I said, you know, okay, let's just, let's log in and see what's going on. And, and so I logged in and, and walked out of my house and it looked like a lunar landscape. Oh my goodness. Previously had been like rolling hills and trees and it was really beautiful. And now it's just craters um, and a wasteland. And I thought, oh my gosh, what is that? But my house was spared. Um, <laughs> wow. Awesome. You picked the right spot. Yeah. Thanks kids. Um, and they did that on purpose because they, they dare not mess with my house. 
Um, but it was otherwise, it was a wasteland. And so I thought, okay, and nobody was logged in, right? Yeah. And, and activity early on, the students were very active. They were they were spending pretty you know a lot amount of time on this server playing and doing and and, and exploring and unlocking all the different things. And and so I started exploring around. I'm like, where is everybody? I don't see any other signs of of intelligence here. <laughs> yeah. A foreign clip or a, a, an alien world. And so I fly out over the ocean. <clears throat> And I see this glow coming from under the water. So uh, I, I go down and, and explore and, and then use my uh, administrative powers to kind of teleport through the walls and, and go and look at what's happening. And, and there's these automated factories that are just cranking things out. So I'm like, this is amazing. Wow. So they had all these, there's stuff moving down pipes and everything's just running and doing its thing. And so I go and look at, to see what, what's being manufactured. And, and I look and I'm like, those are nuclear bombs. So, so, like, yeah. <laughs> so, so wait, wait, you tell me they built Skynet is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Okay. Basically, that, that's basically what it was. So, so, I mean, there was no students around. This thing was just taking care of itself. It yeah. Was running. Uh, it was, and it was just cranking out nukes and, and storing them in chests for later use, I suppose. So I thought, well, that's, that's really interesting. And so I, I explore around a little more and fly further down the coast. And sure enough, there's a glow coming from under the water. Uh, and, um, and so I'm like, well, what is this? And I go down and this is another student's home. And sure enough, they've set up an automated uh, system. And what are they making? Nuclear weapons. Oh my goodness. I thought, oh, okay. Uh, this is interesting. So the next time I was able to meet with them face to face, I said, guys, you know, what's going on? I, I, I logged in. It's like a nuclear wasteland. And I noticed people aren't playing anymore. And they're like, yeah, it's not fun anymore. I'm like, why is it not fun? It's like, well, you know, we, we did everything. We start, and then it just became a, who can make the most nukes the fastest. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's a historical connection here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so it was my, it was my segue into talking just a little with them a little bit um, about like the nuclear arms race. And yeah, mm -hmm. when it, when it boils down to it, it's like whoever can have the most nukes and make the most of them. And when you get to that point, it's not fun anymore. Right. And, um, and so it was just kind of one of those interesting aha moments because we reset the server, went back to good old vanilla WoW, and we're beating each other with, you know, yeah. swords and things like that. And everybody's happy again. And there's just so many intricacies there because it's like, you know, I mean, and that's kind of what's so, I think, enticing for me when we start talking about games and, and how they they the students interact with each other and how they start thinking about things because they had to think about well in order to maybe hide my my factory i've got to put it underwater right like that's going to it's going to make it harder for for my my enemy or my competition to destroy my base uh you know so that i can water also mitigates the the impact of explosions in minecraft there you go right it's completely strategic it's, it's, it's yeah brilliant. which again reminds depressing. me yeah depressing at the same time it reminds me when we you know we we had the ipod touches uh, in the classroom we came for middle and we we were trying civilization and we had the one student who you know the activity was basically you had to pick you know you had to pick the historical leader of civilization and play the game for a while as, as them, you had to try to role play as they would and then journal uh, about the experience, right. And kind of uh, how you could take that based on what you knew factually about the leader and how it kind of maybe informed you more of what it, 
you know, empathetically what it might have been like. And the one student picked Gandhi. And then he's like, can I, can I change? Because when he realized I'm a pacifist, I can't start or fight any battles, you know, the game becomes much harder, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You have to, you really have to explore those alternate win conditions, which are, I mean, they're, they're great challenges, but they're not nearly as fun as blowing up your neighboring cities. Yeah, or as, or as easy sometimes, right? Dipl- diplomacy is not easy, which is a great lesson right. in itself. Um, so, so where do you see, you think, um, where do you see you know gaming going in the next five years? Because like I said, we talked a lot about like how things how things were you know uh, years and years ago, and it and it feels like they've moved a little bit, um, but maybe not as much as we originally thought or as quickly as we thought. And now we've got this big pandemic, um, and maybe that's causing people to take another look. So so where do you think we're going to be in five years? You know, I, I want to be optimistic and say, you know, we're going to see greater levels of, of integration and, um, and and the more use of, and creative use of, of games uh, in, in learning spaces. But, um, you know, I, the realist in me says, um, I think we're still going to be looking at situations where we have pockets of, of innovative educators doing innovative things um, at, at, at more of a grassroots level. Um, because, again, to... to and and it gets into that discussion. Do you, do you do you come at it with an approach like curriculum drives it, um, and and we look we we really focus on the curricular connections to a game, or do we look at a more sandbox type approach and say follow the learning? So put the kids in the game and then explore the learning opportunities as they arise. And and I think there's a space for both of those approaches um, in learning, both in informal and formal learning clubs and and in the classroom. But um, again, I think there's going back to that discussion we just had that there's some, um, you know, there's so many entrenched things uh, and systematic things in our public education system that that are really challenging um, to overcome uh, that um, it, it's a little harder to um, formalize, institutionally formalize those kinds of things. And so I think we're going to continue to see um Ed, you know, innovative educators taking this kind of stuff and running with it. Now, I think you will see Minecraft is still going to be king um, because Minecraft is so accessible um, and, and it's just so adaptable to, to so many different things. I think you're going to continue to see that um, expand. Uh, my, you know, they've got Microsoft behind them now and Microsoft's on their, on their game when it comes to um, helping teachers integrate that in the classroom. And then I think we're going to see esports um, continue to grow. Um, as a big thing, and what's what's encouraging to me about esports is that we're not just looking at it from a competitive standpoint, but there's a lot of discussion about tying it to curriculum as well. Mm-hmm. And so, looking at it uh, again from those uh, what we might call soft skill development, but also from all the the career related stuff that might be tied to it. So the the production side of it, uh, media production, broadcasting, um, coaching, etc. And I, and I think we're going to see that be another avenue that games push into uh, K-12 spaces. Yeah, and I think that's great. And, you know, I'm I kind of surprised when I think about it that no one's really ever had those conversations when it comes to more traditional sports. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, esports is not traditional, so people have a more of an open mind. But I think a lot of those same things that we're talking about 
uh, about how we could use esports uh, to connect to the curriculum. We could also be doing with with basketball or football or cheerleading, and and we just haven't yet, which is kind of you know interesting, especially the streaming stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's happening some. Um, you know, we we have um, you know uh, media production courses and things like that that are you know filming and producing um, you know athletic events at schools and things like that, but. I think those things have been around so long. It's kind of like you said. I think they've been around so long that we just kind of take them for granted. And and the beauty of the timing of esports is it's coming in at a time, and and it's still new enough that uh, the sky's the limit. And and it can be it, it's really being invented um, as it's being implemented. All right, Lucas. Well, um, last question here, and hopefully uh, this one isn't too difficult, uh, but. Uh, the last person I interviewed struggled with this one, so we'll see. What is your favorite game currently, and why? Doesn't have to have, to have anything to do with the education. Just what's your favorite game? Uh, and I have to pick just one. Yeah, just one. That's what that's what makes it challenging, right? We we yeah. can't have it too easy. So so I'm on a desert island. Yes. I, you got to play one game forever. Electronic or table top or whatever. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um. That is really tough. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Wingspan, I think. Um, Wingspan is a tabletop game. Actually, there's a digital version of it now out um, on Switch and, and maybe on Steam. Yeah. For PC. I know it's on Switch. wish it would need, it needs to come to Xbox. Um, and, and Wingspan is just such a, a beautiful, elegant game. Uh, it's educational. Uh, as someone who's a biology person and whose favorite class in all of my undergraduate studies was my ornithology class, um, Wingspan is is by far uh, is that sweet spot. The game mechanics are fantastic. It's the production quality is amazing, um, and and you can play it solo. So if I'm just alone yeah. in this desert island, with, I, I could you know I could play game. I could play solo games of Wingspan, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that, I guess if I had to just choose one right now and like, you know, my house is burning down, grab one game, that would be the one I'd grab um, on the way out. So yeah, that's, that's a tough question because I, I do, I tend to bounce yeah. game to game uh, and, and I get, it comes in, in phases. Like I, I just picked Hearthstone back up this week and. Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw you playing before we got on, but <laughs> I was going to say something after you get off. Yeah, and, and I'm, get, I'm getting back into Smite, you know, and sometimes I'll get tired of it and I'll go play something else. And um, and so I just kind of, I, I kind of, there's certain games I keep coming back to, um, but, um, and, and I'm always like new stuff. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to pick one, tabletop or video game, I'd probably just grab my Wingspan game and, and be good. Everything that Stonemaier Games makes is fantastic. That was just like their, their production quality and their games and the mechanics and everything, just top notch. Awesome. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, one of the, that's definitely one of the board games I think we play the most here in our house too. It's, it's really good. I, I saw it on you. I saw it on your bookshelf in, in that uh, picture you sent me a while back. And I didn't know you guys had that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I still have some, you know, we haven't played. Maybe, maybe we'll get back together and talk just board games. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, um, gosh, uh, not really. Um, uh, but just to anyone listening, uh, especially if you're educators, um, thank you for all that you're doing lately. This, this past year has been, 
um, incredibly challenging, and um, educators have really stepped up uh, and 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 uh, have have risen to the challenge. Um, and uh, it makes me proud to be a public educator, and um, you know, just love every one of them for what they're doing. So kudos to them. Plug in, oh. plug in. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Lucas. Appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. And, uh, yep. And for those of you listening, uh, thanks. And we'll talk to you soon.